Welcome to the Working Mama podcast, a show that provides real-world tips, tricks, and advice to all working mamas on how they can have a career, family, and hopefully one day break the glass ceiling. Welcome, mamas. Welcome back to another episode of the Working Mama podcast. I hope this episode finds you well and healthy. And today I am speaking on a topic that's very near and dear uh, to my heart, and that is around the topic of self-care. And the reason why I really wanted to speak with a fellow person who is very passionate around this topic is because I honestly don't think we give enough time for ourselves uh, as mums. We put everyone else before us and then, you know, our cup is barely full when it comes around to us. And I think that there's a lot more that we can certainly do and prioritise ourselves a lot more and it's not being selfish at all. So today I'm so excited to speak with Lisa Crochet-Boyce, who is an energetic and honest and engaging speaker. She is the founder of The She Rebellion and speaks passionately on empowering women through coaching, speaking, media contributions and events with the focus on reclaiming their power with confidence and calm. I love it. She is an internationally certified life coach and inspires women to reflect on what is not serving them in their lives and supports them to take action with focus and clarity. Lisa is also a trained massage therapist with a lived experience of anxiety, depression, and postnatal depression. So she's certainly got a big story uh, and experience to share. Her complete understanding of the impact on mental health challenges pose on both physical health and the body fuels her deep desire to support and promote holistic healing in women and their families. She is a dedicated Beyond Blue ambassador and her work has been featured in Mama Mag, Kidspot, and a number of statewide government campaigns supporting better mental health. So I'm so excited to speak with Lisa today as I'm really looking forward to an empowering and motivating conversation around self-care. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much. What a lovely introduction. I was sitting here going, yeah. Yeah, we need to talk about self-care more. So thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for this chat today. No problems at all. No, I'm really looking forward to it. And I've actually come across you from, from Instagram and, and been following you for quite a while now. And you put out great content. Uh, so keep it up. And, and I know thank you. certainly self-care is a big focus of yours. And that's why I really mm. wanted to jump on today and have a chat with you. Yeah, no, it's a big focus of mine because I think, as you said, it's something that is not talked about really. It's not stripped back. It's not dissected. We're not looking at it possibly in the right way. Uh, And I love to shine a light on, you know, the myths that we put up, the blocks that we put up to stop us from having true self-care in our lives as working mothers, as mothers, as women, as human beings. And I think it's about time we just lifted the veil on it and and see it for what it is. Well, let's lift the veil today. But before we get into that topic, how would you best describe yourself? Well, I would best describe myself as a highly, a high functioning woman with anxiety. Um, To see me, to know me, you might not know that I have anxiety, uh, but I've, Tended around to be a bit of a superpower, 
Um, so I am very energetic, I'm very driven, and I really strive to create spaces for empowerment for women. That's very special. And what's been your career pathway to where you are now? So I never considered myself to be a career woman or that I wanted to be a career woman. Corporate just wasn't my jive. I went a bit of a bit of a different path. I grew up wanting to be famous, like Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> yep. I know, very strange. Um, uh, there was something about her, just her innate femininity, her strength, and she was just so engaging. But, you know, being a 13-year-old, you don't really know the truth behind Hollywood and all of those sorts of things. But uh, it led me to study acting. So I spent three years studying a Bachelor of Arts acting uh, and then quickly realised after graduating that it wasn't a stable career path and I would have to sacrifice a lot to for the art, for the craft. Um, so then I went to study massage therapy and I'm a um, qualified uh, remedial massage therapist and I worked in a clinic for I think it was about two years and then I went traveling so all of my I guess my career path has been broken up in between traveling overseas and working overseas so I did all the you know the backpacker jobs of hospitality and I was a hotel manager in Slovakia. Um, so it's been it's been a colourful rainbow my career path. And what I decided after I went on maternity leave, I was working quite extensively in medical administration. Um, and what I learned from that is that I wanted to work for myself, and I wanted to work in a family friendly environment. But I mean, you and I both know being an entrepreneur is, <laughs> is a challenging juggle, a constant challenging juggle. So the um, idealistic version of being an entrepreneur um, and then the realities have been quite different. But um, I created in uh, 2018 uh, my first business, which was MDC Workshop and Events. But I quickly uh, morphed or evolved into Bad Mums Club, which you may have known me for previously, uh, where I ran empowering events for women to create social change. And then in November last year, after studying and becoming a life coach, uh, I rebranded and we now have the She Rebellion, which I'm super proud and excited for. What a journey, but certainly the different parts is really making up who you are today. Yeah, I feel like every little random job experience that I got to have has definitely given me a more deeper knowing, um, has allowed me to see, I guess, have different experiences with people. A lot of it was customer facing, so I was able to have um, more experiences, especially in the hospital environment with families of sick patients, of patients themselves. So I feel like I got to experience humans in their rawness that has allowed me to really dive deep into the She Rebellion with a sense of, um, a sense of knowing and connectedness to the human experience. Certainly very powerful uh, in that sense as well. Now, yeah. when, we, 
when we talk about self-care and obviously you've you've had an experience in in a variety of different ways I personally love the quote you can't pour from an empty cup because I think it's just so powerful and it's a term that we we often use self-care but what's your definition just so we also we're on the same page uh, from the start yeah for me like I love that quote but for me when I hear that or when I did I probably heard it in my infancy of being a parent and I felt a lot of guilt and shame that I wasn't filling up my cup so I was failing as a mother and so when I hear that I get taken back a little bit to those feelings around it but I do believe in what it is the message behind it and and I believe that too that you cannot give to other people what you can't give to yourself you know, Dr. Phil says that you can't, you know, you teach people how to treat you. So if you are constantly neglecting yourself and um, putting yourself at the bottom of the priority list, we're teaching others to do the same. So I like to use my self-care as a way to nurture and honour and um, and grow in myself um, holistically and wholeheartedly. And so it's not necessarily about the action of self-care. It is the purpose and the feeling that drives the self-care to happen. That's so powerful, particularly around that purpose of self-care, that it because mm. self-care doesn't have to be a lot of, you know, big things, does it? It's it can be something no. so small, but as you say, yep. it's self-care with purpose. Yeah, and I like it's something that I talk to clients and my community about all the time. It's little pockets of space it's little moments to yourself it's not grand gestures uh, and I really don't believe it is a luxury that we deserve or do not deserve it's not something that if you're a great mum then you're allowed to go and relish and lavish yourself in self-care self-care is in essence caring for yourself and so I just think we need to really We really need to spend that time, especially being a mother and a working mother, to really bring ourselves back to who we want to be and how can self-care support us in that. It's so so important because even the other day I was speaking with someone and they said, I want to go back to work because also I want Mm. that identity for myself. So it's also, yeah, as as part of that self-care of it's, it's weird for me to say, but I actually enjoy going to work because yeah. it is a little bit of me time and it's something that I do for yeah. myself. Uh, but it's exactly what you're saying. It's There's so many different parts to this topic and it is about that yeah. focus and that purpose about what you're bringing out to to focus on you and also not have the guilt as what you said earlier, yeah. that so many yeah. times as a mom you're thinking, well, to be a good mom, I need to spend 24-7, 365 days a year with my children. Mm-hmm. But it's not necessarily the case because you do also need to, as you say, give to yourself as you give to others. Totally. And it's not realistic to be all for your children. It's also, I feel, not responsible we may want to because we've been told by society that once becoming a mother, you have to somehow have a lobotomy and forget who you are um, and yeah. really just, you know, 
forget that before you became pregnant, before you became a mother, you were a person. And, um, and so just this extra baggage that we carry that we need to be successful and how happy our children are a measure of our success and worth as a mother, as a person. And so, you know, reflecting on what you were saying is um, just if I could go back, circle back when you were saying you go to work because it gives you that sense of identity. I definitely have found that myself and still continue to find that myself. And it's something that I constantly have to check in with because sometimes it can go too far that way and then it leads to burnout and emotional mm. fatigue. And so if we have self-care practices in our lives that are in our natural behaviour, so little things that we do every now and then to connect back to who we are, then it doesn't necessarily, um, it's not dependent on the action that, that we are doing. So work, if work is giving you a sense of satisfaction and identity and achievement, is there a self-care practice that could also nurture you as well? So then work can be something as, something different because just say, for instance, you couldn't work for a period of time or you went on maternity leave again and then you felt that you weren't worthy of nurturing yourself or you had lost that connection with yourself, that if you had a self-care practice to support you and to supplement that feeling, um, your mental health, your overall mental health will be more balanced um, and you will feel more contentment when you're a parent who isn't able to work for whatever reason. Very well. <laughs> Just giving me a lot to think about in that, in that question there. <laughs> As I'm, because, um, yeah. yeah, because it's something that it's something that I have found, especially in the last four years, because I've been an entrepreneur as long as, almost as long as I've been a mother. So I was birthed as a mother seven years ago. I was birthed as an entrepreneur almost four years ago. And it's been a very steep learning curve that I was in cycles of burnout, um, anxiety spirals within like a three-month turnaround. And I was exhausted and I hated myself. Um, I had extreme anxiety, depression, and then reached out for numbing devices and had really unhealthy, toxic behaviour. And I feel that if I had something, if I had, if we take it back even a step further, if I had learned how to have self-care practices to honour and respect and nourish myself, to be compassionate and kind to myself from the day I was born, then it wouldn't matter when I became a mum or when I was a working mum. Do you know what I mean? It's such a lesson that we should be teaching our children, you know, lead by example, but also leave a legacy. Education is a huge factor because I feel like almost when you become a mother, it's not too late, but you're already a step behind. Yeah, it's, it's something as well. You don't really think about self-care and the topic I know personally for me, the topic didn't really come out uh, when I was yeah. working and, and pre-kids, but it's something that around yep. becoming a mum, suddenly it does become a lot more into your uh, periphery of going, what am I doing for mm. myself? Or even as a mum saying, I just sometimes I just need a break and yeah. tired and exhausted. And yeah, it's also part of that education and, and things. And I know certainly I put out a survey uh, to the working mother community at the end of last year 
And I said, what are one of the challenges that you faced in becoming a working mum? And they, interestingly, self-care was the second equal highest answer. The top one was around sharing the mental, sorry, um, the first one was sharing the mental load. And then Mm. self-care was literally equal with mum guilt, which I'm sure actually goes (laughs) hand in hand. But some of that also is because we haven't necessarily trained ourselves. And even I've reflected in when you become pregnant, so much focus on the birth, but there's nothing Mm. that really prepares you for life after you get home from hospital. Uh, And also about as what you're saying, teaching yourself those self-care practices even before you become a mum. And I know I giggled when you were laughing, but I, I, I almost, it was like, a yes, oh my God, I hear you. And I just want to really just breathe into what you said. That those women said that, you know, mother's guilt and sharing the mental load and not finding the time. I think it's not prioritizing the time to honor themselves with a self-care practice. Yeah. If we could just like take a pause, it really it gets me quite emotional because women are struggling. It is an epidemic and women are struggling. So what do we need? Because we're saying over and over again, I cannot do it myself. I want acknowledgement for what I've done, my sacrifices and my achievements. Um, I need support. I need help. And unfortunately, the system isn't set up to support women in a way that they need. And it's because, I mean, it's so deep, but one of the reasons is because it doesn't honour the journey, the evolution, the matrescent evolution of a woman. So matrescence, I don't know if you're familiar with the term, matrescence is um, likened to adolescence and it's the birthing of a mother and it's that journey of finding out what motherhood is all about and all the things that come with, as you said, leaving the hospital, then you're going, what next? And if we had that within the system, I really feel like women wouldn't get to a point where, you know, a week, two months, six months, years, years after years after years, and they get to like 80 and they're going, I'm still waiting for my support. So it's almost like it's a double-edged sword. We're asking, we're not receiving. So I just say I'm sick of waiting for the system that doesn't support me, that is built on the patriarch. I'm I'm sick of waiting for that system to to wisen up and realise that we are creating the next generation. I'm going on a a feminist rant here, but, um, you know, for them to to really honour us as women, as mothers, so I'm just going to do it myself. And I think taking ownership and taking your power back allows you to then create self-care practices that are very beneficial, more easier to implement and easier for you to work within the family home. You know, communication, setting boundaries, all those things come into play in a very different way because there's no, there's no loading, there's no judgment, there's no guilt. Mother's guilt for me, I've had it, I understand it. I'm now on the other side of it. It was a big um, leap of faith to let that go. It was almost the death of the mother that I was. But the mother that came out of letting that go is someone who is so proud of what she does. And she's not hashtag living her best life and like 
you know, high-fiving herself at the end of every day going, yeah, oh, my God, my children are like eight grade students and I'm just, my success and my worth and my, my fulfilment doesn't come from whether my children um, are seen in society as being successful, happy, healthy. My, I think there's enough room in the conversation. I mean, you've probably heard me say this before. I think there's enough room in the conversation to around parenting to say, I am a mother, I am a woman, and I am also have these children. And my love for them is not um, is, is unconditional, and it doesn't. Uh, it's not contingent on how I feel as a mother or how I value myself. Does that make sense? Oh, I. I completely wholeheartedly agree with everything that you've just said. So uh, it seems to be at the moment that there's different conversations I'm happening with a variety of different people mm. around the system. And it's the journey, yep. as, you know, as what you said, the the mattress sense of, of motherhood. And it uh, yeah. d- certainly doesn't start and stop you know, the moment you go into hospital and you come home and and also from a government support perspective, uh, mm. you know, what, what it gives and the systems and the structures to not only support women but even support families uh, and actually yeah. raising children and uh, and being there and having the support because, yeah, it's it's something that is quite near and dear to my heart and I'm very passionate about yeah. of, just because I'm a female doesn't mean I necessarily want to give up my career. I've got a very supportive husband yeah. who also wants to be there for his kids. And so why can't yeah. we work on this as a team? And why does it have to, you know, be on yeah. Centrelink that it's the mother that applies for parental leave? It's the mum yeah. that does everything. Amen. It's because of the Amen, government's sister. The government structures allow it. And you know, it's yeah. I could go on a whole other rant <laughs> on the, the And what's I would wrong. love to hear it. <laughs> Oh, uh, so it's save that for another podcast. That's another podcast, and I love I think, it. I think it's as well around the motherhood aspect that it's about what I guess mm. it's maybe as well around the self care aspects about where we're getting our validation from about how we're mm. going because we will generally mm-hmm. criticize ourselves first and then look to others for validation and to pick us up yeah. or. Sometimes for some people, they'll put us back down and put us in our box in the tall poppy syndrome. Uh, But definitely I think overall is what you said, motherhood is not just defined about if you're getting this A-grade kid and how they look on Instagram or even if you put your kid, I know for me I don't put my child on Instagram, but Mm -hmm. it's it's one of those things. It's it's so many, the system and the the societal Mm. pressures about what we tell ourselves and things like that. But really is what you say. It's about those self-care practices that we learn, even Mm. that we can instill in our kids from a very young age. Yeah. And I, like, I just got chills because I'm like, yes, this is the, this is a thing I wish that they had taught me as a child you know, as a teenager, learning about, you know, sex education at school, how about all the other stuff that goes with it because it's just as important. Yes, the, the physiological, the, the physical part of um, a teenager, a woman becoming a mother, you know, and, and sustaining life when we have a child, they're all very important. But the, the spiritual, and by spiritual I don't mean religious, I mean spiritual is in honouring yourself, that inner knowing, your intuition is just thrown by the wayside. There's not that um, support to dive deep, to reconnect. And I find that these days a lot of the self-care practices are about reaching out, like you said, for validation and, um, you know, for connection. We're reaching outward for it. If we turn inward, that's 
where we will get our reward. That is where we will feel whole and, and feel all of our power within ourselves. There was something that you said, and it just reminded me of this quote, if I could share it. I think it's, um, it's really valid to what we're discussing here today. Um, so uh, author Bonnie Ware um, has a book called Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And the second top regret is, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. And the first one, is I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expect of me. Oh, I love those. Yeah. I often say as well to yeah. people that, you know, you can bust your bust your bum for, you know, 70, mm. 80 hours a week. But in the day, you're not going to have on your tombstone, I worked right. 80 hours a week and be proud of it. You've probably got yeah. kids that aren't that barely know their their parent and mm. yeah it's one of those things that you know have a and I think it's also what COVID in the last 12 months has taught us about mm. living the life that we want to live um yeah I mean well. as we as we were discussing like before the interview you know I've just recently moved to Torquay COVID gifted me uh, my husband and I the opportunity to see what the slow life was not reaching outwards not going outwards for fulfillment and connection we still craved that with other people but instead of having to go outward we had to turn inward and find that within ourselves we also had to reconnect as a family and it it allowed us the slower life and we realized we actually don't want to lose that so we uprooted our lives moved down to the coast a smaller town to just get out of the hustle and bustle to opt out of this you know, hamster wheel that really fuels my mental health challenges. I honestly believe that. Um, and yeah, COVID was or is lockdown. If you're in Melbourne, it was a really challenging time. I don't want to, um, I don't want to lessen that feeling or that discussion for people because everyone had their own experience with it. But we did see a lot of discussion coming out about how people were turning off their phones, how they were switching from devices, how they were recognising numbing behaviour, how they realised that they would go out for social occasions because they didn't want to be alone by themselves with themselves. Mm. And so there was a lot of uncovering and unpacking, I believe, that should be happening now before we dive back into our new normal around if there were some things that we could pull out of that experience that were positive, how can we support that in a self-care practice? How can we support that moving forward? I think it's certainly that's what COVID, like there's a lot of negativity that goes around COVID, but then there's also mm. some positive. And I know certainly, you know, the slower life and working from home mm. and flexible working for both parents. And I emphasize both mm. parents. Yeah. Yeah. You're also seeing fathers pick up more of or partners pick up more of the load uh, because mm. they don't have to have the commute. Uh, and they're change the, the perception and the mindset around work is changing. And it's certainly giving into that as well. And you saw as well in uh, both of us being Melbourne based that you know mm. people were exercising they were communicating and engaging mm. as a family and connecting 
you know, leaning into themselves rather than out to others. Uh, And it was, it was an interesting period and I'm sure there'll be studies done in in years to come, but yeah, (laughs) it it wasn't all, it wasn't as, it wasn't all bad. I, I don't think there's got to be something positive taken out of that. And you saw people exercising as well. And for me, when you talk about leaning inwards, for me, going for a run and having that mental Mm. change, for me, that's mm. one of the best things I can do for my mental health. And mm. it's amazing how many people you saw exercising as part mm. of a self-care practice during isolation. Yeah, for me, exercise isn't really my jam. <laughs> <I do laughs> Everyone like has go- their own jam. Yeah. <laughs> I, do, I do like to go for a walk. But for me, I actually found um, sit-down showers twice a day. I was all over it. And I'd get my essential oils out and I'd sprinkle it around the shower, chuck on some beautiful music and just sit. Sometimes my children would join me. Sometimes I was gifted half an hour to myself. Um, But again, yes, as you said, it's that reconnecting back to the feeling of who you are, that, that inner knowing of this feels good and right for me. That then allows you to be that mum that you want to be, to be the worker that you want to be, the wife, the sister. And can I circle back for a moment when you were saying about, um, you know, husbands as well. My husband said that he's really enjoyed being at home with the family. And for me, I loved it because I felt like in a way I was a solo parent, um, like hands up, uh, praise to all the single parents out there. You are, you are goddesses and gods. Like seriously, it is a tough gig. And and I really want to acknowledge that. Um, my, my, uh, sorry. So what I was saying was that I felt like I was doing the drop off the pickup, the shopping list, all the, to, all the logistics around being a parent. And it was so exhausting. And with him being at home, it allowed us both to be parents, be working and being ourselves. And he, he even said that he, he loved to get to know the children. He didn't know the children as well as what he had previously and so what a disservice the system is doing if it can't do it for women because you know we have to really get on our soapbox and really demand for more and ask for more and expect more and accept less you know if if the system was made by men surely they should be supporting the fathers to be in the house which then in turn will support the women to be able to be there as well which is a holistic and and more of a team environment, which will then make us better citizens, more profitable, more proactive, more productive. It's just, um, yeah, I'll get off my soapbox, my feminist soapbox. But it's just something that I think really needs to be looked at post-2020 um, uh, to allow dads to be dads. Yep. And dads want to be dads. It's also yeah. society telling them, no, you need to be the brain, main breadwinner and you need to do this, need to do that. But also um, at the same time, it's it's that team mentality. I know my husband and I certainly have a, a team approach to the way that we're yes. looking at our family and raising our children because like my husband's like, I don't want to be the breadwinner because I don't want to just take that load on to myself. Um, I, I want to be able to share it of, you know, not feeling. And I've also, he's had conversations with some of his male friends and they've got the same thing of the stress that they carry because they're mm. male and they feel that they need to, you know, be those main breadwinners as opposed to sharing even the financial load of, of bringing in mm. money to, to support the family and the dreams and goals that they have. Because men, generally men's 
worth in society is based on success within a job and financial success. That's where they draw their worth from. So then if we, you know, move on from that, then they're able to go back into themselves and find their, you know, their feminine side, their gentler side or nurturing side that allows them to then allow the the woman to find her masculine, her strength, her power. And then it's a very yin-yang kind of household, which is more harmonious and, um, I can't wait for that day. <laughs> oh, neither can I. Uh, neither can I. Let's let's celebrate when it does happen. <laughs> and so, Lisa, you talk about self-care practices. So yeah. how can we start to, let's unpack this a little bit. How can we like start to know what even a self-care practice is, what works for yeah. us, uh, scheduling it and putting into the calendar? Because as you said earlier, it's about the prioritisation of self-care practice so where do we start and how can we get on the journey yeah um it's a very individual process and there's no right or wrong so I think as long as we strip it back and say there's no failing to self-care you can't fail at self-care you can do better but you can't fail because I think a lot of women go, oh, I can't self-care today. I'm such a crap mum. And that's not true. It's just not true. You've just had a tough day. So what I like to do is I like to sit down and think about the week ahead or the day ahead and I go, how do I want to feel today? How do I want to feel this week? And I really, I write it down, I think into it, and then I reflect on what do I need to support me to feel that way. So what actions can I take to support that feeling? And then I will communicate that without resentment or take away that emotional heat that can come into it when you're communicating with your loved one about what you need. Um, Because I think so easy we drop into resentment and we can hear what, you know, what, you know each other has it's almost like this um one-upmanship on you get to do this and I get to do this with your partner and scheduling in that time communicate your needs with clarity and confidence if you need this to feel whole if you need this so you're not sitting in the shower crying every night then then that's a priority that's that week's priority and so um by communicating clearly it also allows the the people in your house to know that when mum's self-caring, we are going to honour that because everyone in the house is allowed to have their self-care practice. So we're going to honour that time. And it's really about being flexible with yourself and within the practice and adapt where it needs to and just to start small. If self-care is new for you, don't go all out. Don't just say, I'm just going to go and live my best life, go into the shop, I'm going to go and have, go to the spa because it will, you'll be diving so fast into it, it's not sustainable. So when we talk about making a self-care practice, start with a tiny pocket of something that makes you feel good and grow from there, adapt from there. And then you put it into any moment. My big tip, if I can, if I may, is to say we waste 
so much time numbing out on our devices. If you put down your phone, turn off your phone for half the time that it's on, that's where you will find time to do your self-care practice. That's just something I've noticed, especially in the last couple of years, that um, people in my community say, I don't have enough time. But if you become highly aware of where your time is being spent, then you then can change it to where it can be in self-care. It's a great way of looking at it. And certainly starting small, like I think, you know, I love a, a, a good massage uh, and went for one yeah. yesterday, but I know that it's not something that is sustainable. I can't do that every week. Mm-hmm. And no just even for the financial cost uh but it's also one of those things to do as treats so in relation to self-care is it something that we have those little little small things that we can do even maybe even each day or each week and then you then have something as a real special treat for example a massage Mm -mm -mm. um, on a periodic basis to really help there because it's not everything is what you said is something's going to be big and you can't do one thing necessarily like a massage or a day spa one week and then not do anything for then the next six months that's not helpful or sustainable is it no and we've got to be realistic like we've got to be realistic here with our time and we've got to be realistic with our finances so um because I think if you set yourself up to to want to do the things all the time you end up um, resenting it or rebelling against it so then it's, it's not productive um, so one of the things when you said a treat I'd love to turn that word around and say that is your maintenance so it's, it's, it's like a car maintenance yeah you are going to be serviced so you can work as a well-oiled machine because that's what you deserve that's what you need and so how can you be in the, the best or the best for you in how you are in that moment, like bring it right back to the present. How can I be the best, feel the best? What do I need for that? And if it's a massage once a month, book it in, lock it in. Don't just say when I, oh, when I can or the kids have something on. Ah, no, 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 no. Book it in. If you can allow yourself that, book it in. And then everyone has to work around it. It's not squeezed in somewhere. It's not pushed aside because Aldi's has a sale on a Wednesday so you can't go and get your massage because you have to go and get the next whatever (laughs) you know schedule it in prioritize it take away the guilt because it is not selfish can we just put that argument to rest enough is enough how are we being selfish how are we ever being selfish for wanting to be the best person that we can for the humans in our lives yep no, yeah. so true. And definitely reiterate that it's not being selfish at all because you're actually helping yourself is what you said is actually going to help others. Yeah. And, and we're so, teaching our children to do it too. Yeah. And it's what we we're just saying earlier about the education very mm. much from a young age. And so we also, we've reflected that even just you and I have got different ways of, of self-care practice. Mm. How do we go about identifying that in ourselves about what, what gives us uh, things to help, you know, make us feel better? How can we go through a process to identify what those self-care practices may be, the the maintenance of the car, so to speak, and just yeah, those ones yeah. of just turning the car on every day to help us keep running? Try different things 
and then assess how you feel, reflect how you feel afterwards. You might go for a run and go, yeah, not for me. I can't do that every day. It yeah. doesn't fit into where I want to do. Or you might go, oh, my God, that made me feel exhilarated, light, alive. I, I want to capture that wherever I can. But allow, I think it's, it's a really complex process that doesn't have to be if you reflect on how you want to feel trial and error with the activities to get to how you want to feel but when you communicate and schedule it then it's not squished in between so you're not rushed to go and I really need to go and run 5k because it gets me the feeling of self-care that's not going to work you know when we're already um putting a load on our self-care like this poor little self-care just wants to love us you know if we think of that as our baby like our self-care is our little baby we want to honor that we want to we want to you know keep that baby safe you'll do whatever you can to to do the self-care routine um whatever is realistic but yeah going back to what you said it's really trial and error i've done things over time that worked for me one week that didn't work for me the next i think it's very um, important that we drop into how we're feeling in that moment because it might just be, I need to sleep or I just need to sit on the ground, as close to the ground as I can get because that is going to make me feel good right now. Um, I think sometimes when we get really rigid in our self-care practices, then we, we don't keep it up. It's not something that we feel good about and you can what I love about self-care is it really challenges your perfectionist your inner perfectionist and also your um your blocks around comparisonitis as well because mm. you know you're looking over at what the Joneses are doing and oh I should be doing that or you know I, I'm not doing self-care right and as I said there's no failure there's just learning and so we are constantly evolving so as a as a new mum or as a, you know, a mum with a young baby, my self-care practice is going to be very different to a mother who has school-aged children. That's going to be very different to a mother who has children who are adults. So there is no one right way. You just have to be led by how you feel. And the way that you get more in tune with that is to practice that muscle, to flex that muscle of prioritising yourself, feeling good and wanting more of that. And I think it's so true, even the word self-care, it's about self. It's about what works for mm. you. And it's what you said, it doesn't have to relate back to the Joneses or what I, what someone on social media is doing for self-care. What the most important is that it's for you at that particular yeah. moment in time about how you think, feel and what your needs are to help you be probably more whole and happy uh, as a person because I've even heard that, you know, the mum is a heartbeat of the family and her mood can yeah. permeate onto so many others. So if you're in a happy, energised, feeling good mood about you mm. as a, and confident as about you as a person, no doubt mm. that will then translate onto those around you. Yeah, and I, and I completely understand having experienced postnatal depression um, after both of my pregnancies and was wasn't actually found out that I had it until uh, quite a while after my second pregnancy. So I went through with postnatal and didn't really know what was going on. Jeez. I was under this heavy cloud. And so, um, yeah, we are the heartbeat. But unfortunately, when you're in that cloud, you think you're failing as a mother and that's where shaming and guilt comes in. 
So we really need to monitor that we are the heartbeat, that the, uh, the heart can only beat with support of the whole body, the whole team. Yep. We need to embrace the, the heart. And if self-care, the word doesn't resonate with you, then find a different word. Find something that makes you feel good. Um, so then you're not restricted with that word or what you, what you, how that word resonates with you. Yeah, so true. So on that, so we'll, I'll re-terminate, like making yourself feel good. Mm. What's the correlation and even through your experiences of postnatal depression with mental health? Yeah. Because I know personally there's some days that I'm just like, oh, but then if I do something to make me feel better, my mental mm. health is so much clearer and I don't have that fog. So do you also see that it's not just about people may go, oh, it's, you know, self-care. Okay, I, you know, really should be doing something to help myself. But there's also mm. the mental health benefits, um, which, again, is a topic that's really come up the last few years, which is fantastic that we're yeah. talking more about it. But definitely there is an interrelationship between self-care and mental health. Is that something you're finding through your experience and yeah. the work that you're doing? Yeah, so I believe it's hand in hand. You, you really um, can look after your mental health and well-being by having self-care practices as a behaviour. So it's not something on your tick-off list, it's a behaviour. Self-care should be something like washing my hair. When do I wash my hair? Okay, then when do I have my self-care? I didn't mean to rhyme then, but let's just go with it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, um, you know, having anxiety uh, and having depression and postnatal depression in the past, I neglected self-care 100%. And I defaulted to drinking, um, unhealthy eating habits, numbing out any way that I could to stop the pain, to stop the void. And self-care fills you up, makes you feel whole and allows you to have a deeper connection to yourself. So, of course, it will then benefit your mental health. They're just their best friends. So if we can do more self-care or whatever you want to call it, then you are helping your mental health. And just within the word mental health, people feel that, they don't necessarily have to, like mental health isn't something that is on their radar because they identify it as having a mental illness. Yes, there are interconnecting themes, but mental health is everybody and mental health doesn't discriminate. So it's really a little family living inside our bodies, inside our hearts and our heads that we need to take care of and and we need to honour because it makes up who we are. Uh, it's it's a topic that I know 2020 for me I had a number of different circumstances that then uh, made me really reflect and you know you know I had some very dark days but I did seek help uh, and I have to say it was one of the best things I think I did in 2020 uh, to actually speak to someone and then them saying it's okay like the way that you're dealing with this particular topic and the the weight that fell off my shoulder even just on the car home was amazing. And I also had never really suffered anxiety until COVID. Uh, and now I identify with it and even physically as well, I can recognize when things aren't right, but that's because I've now reflected and understood different circumstances. And yeah. even my husband said to me, he goes, 
like when we're going to the first lockdown and he's like this is not normal for you you are what's going on and he's like you're but and I said I don't know and I just really suffered that anxiety and and the mental health and it's not something I'd experienced ever before so it was something for me that came as a real shock but Mm. now I lean into it saying it is so important and uh there's so many it's yeah I'm so glad that COVID in a way brought out the topic to actually normalize part of that conversation but Mm. it still needs to come out even more Oh, for sure. And I just really wanted to acknowledge and say thank you for sharing that because I think the more that we talk about our reality of dealing with anxiety and how that process of asking for help and reaching out to support is talked about, then people will feel more open to do it themselves. I feel like, um, you know, as you were saying, identifying People say triggers a lot. There are triggers, but identifying the feelings, the physiological part of how a stressful situation or a challenging situation, how it feels within your body, like accelerated heart rate, sweating, clamminess, um, cramps, um, you know, tightening of, of, you know, um, tightening of your joints. If you can identify that as when you have a challenging situation, your body reacts that way. And then when you have a relaxing or a self-care practice, that your body feels the different way, you've got this um, beautiful marrying up of mind, body, soul. Yeah. It's all interwoven as in when I'm stressed, my body feels this. That's a warning sign for me to then go and do this that then makes me feel that. And I think the more we dive into having those connections, we're not just brains walking around. We're a body. We are a living organism and everything is good. So when we do have stress or sadness or um, excitement, our body will feel a different way. And the more that we know it and learn it, we should study how, you know, note down, journal how our body goes in different situations because that's when you identify cycles of behaviour and that's when you know when you need to get help. And also what you need to do to help yourself It's is what you're saying. And I think a theme about leaning into your feelings, not necessarily leaning out and looking to others. It's also knowing that. And it's really about knowing yourself and knowing your reactions to different scenarios. So then it gives you the confidence to know how to manage it. Because sometimes if we're in new situations, you're freaking out going, how am I going to do this? But if you've also And it is scary. It is scary. And it's natural. Yeah, that is, a, that is a human reaction. It's very normal. But knowledge is power. Yeah. And when you have knowledge, you can do anything. Certainly. So I really, if that's like my one message through this, please, if you are at home and you feel like there's something that's just not right, you are allowed, give yourself permission to go and find someone to get the support that you need. So it could be a safe loved one. Um, it could be uh, a psychologist, it could be a coach, it could be a social worker, it could be, uh, you know, a healer, a spiritual healer. There are so many different options. Um, Go with what feels right for you. And there is a great resource, just while we're on it, there's a great resource on the Beyond Blue website where you can find a therapist um, in your area and it will give you a little um, brief description and then you can call up They'll give you all the details. So you are not alone. There are people out there waiting to help you. Please do not suffer in silence because you are you're worth it. You are worth the effort to go and get help. 
hundred percent. I actually almost get emotional when you start saying that because it's one of those yeah. things that, and that's a massive part of, of what I do with the working mama community is I want yeah. you to know mamas that you're not alone. And I think that's something that sadly too many women go through motherhood thinking that they need, they should have all the answers and they need to do it all. And you, you don't need to, there is a massive community no. of people out there and support and that you yeah. don't have to be alone in this. Uh, and as what we're talking about today of, of self-care is so, so oh. interrelated to mental health and the better yeah. you feel mama, the help you're going to do help so many more people. Um, and as, as what you said at one point, Lisa, also be the role model to your children so oh. they can learn these practices from such a young age. And so hopefully yeah. the next generation can overcome these challenges and they've got enough challenges that are coming their way as it is. Mm. And like, if we just look at, I've got a couple of statistics if I could share, um, because I think it'll really drum home how important it is that we value ourselves and we value our happiness and, and health. Um, one in six women in Australia will experience depression throughout their lifetime. Jeez. One in three women in Australia with anxiety. One in six women will have depression in the first year after the birth of their child. So one in six. And they also um, have a higher rate, women have a higher rate of experiencing PTSD and eating disorders than men. And in 2017, the highest rate of maternal death was to suicide. Oh. So these statistics are pretty black and white. You can't really fluff around it. Women are doing all the things. We're trying to be everything to everyone except to ourselves. And mm. it's time that we own our own health and we prioritise that and reclaim our power and live the life that we deserve and should. And it, it's time. Women, it's time. Let's do this. <laughs> Amen, sister. I love it. <laughs> I could, yeah, that's amazing. It's uh, so, so true. And I think that is the perfect place to uh, to actually, you know, end up today. Round it out. Round yeah. it out. We've, we've been on a lot. But amen, sister, with that. I think it's, Thanks. yeah, this is our time to, to reclaim yeah. it and encourage your friends fellow working mamas and even fellow women yes. before they have kids to yes. look after yourselves. Don't be, you know, we're all a statistic in some shape or form, but look yeah. after yourself. And uh, yeah. So now Lisa, what do you do for yes. self-care? Oh, well, as I mentioned before, I do love myself to sit down shower. Um, it, it's just so easy. <laughs> and um Another thing I really like to do is uh, reconnect myself through a grounding practice, which is literally getting on the ground or putting my bare feet in the earth or in the water or in the sand. It's, connecting back to Mother Nature is just, it's simple, it's free, and it fills your cup to no end. I can't recommend it enough. Oh, um, something about and the sand. Other, and, yeah. Oh, it's just beautiful. But then there's other things I like to do, like walk. So my exercise, I walk. But I crank up the music really loud. I do not care what I look like. I sing, I dance, I do my hallelujahs as I walk down the street because that is my time. And if people have a problem with it, that's not my problem. That's their issue. So if you see me 
walking down the street, you will hear me probably before you see me because that is my self-care time. And I also really like to, um, to do things that are creative because that's activating a different um, portion of my brain that gives me the euphoria that I need. It fills my cup um, because there are all different kinds of self-care. It's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and psychological. So go for it, ladies. You've got so many options. Just tap in and find what works for you. I love it. And so, Lisa, where can people connect with you and what's happening next uh, with your business? Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'd love for um, your listeners to come and join the conversation over at the She Rebellion. Uh, We are on Instagram. I love to hang out on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook. You can go and check out my website at www.thesherebellion.com. And currently I have an Unlock and Unleash one-to-one, so it's me and you, in a three-month intensive look on how we can reclaim your power in an area of your life where you feel that you've given it away. And so um, jump onto my website, send me a DM, email me, just connect. I'm here and I cannot wait to, um, to talk more about it. So come on over. Fantastic. Well, Lisa, I've had an absolutely amazing conversation with you. Uh, I think that we could chat about so many different topics in so many different ways for so much longer. Uh, But I know that we've got relatively short amount of time. Let's let's chat again. And it's been an absolute delight. Uh, I wish you well with your uh with your business and I know you've got a lot going on and in you know leaning into uh you know the realities of what happened last year and and certainly Mm. as you said about moving your family closer to the beach you know to really lean in and connect as a family so best wishes for everything coming up and again thank thank you. you so much you've helped you know, really sparking something in me today. So uh, thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so, so grateful. I I really appreciate um, your listeners' time and your time. This is something I'm so passionate about. So I I love to talk about it and could talk about it forever because it's, it's a topic that needs to be talked about. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Working Mama podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast catch up. I invite you also to join the Working Mama community on Facebook and join in the conversation with other like-minded working mums. Please also feel free to contact me on any of the Working Mama social channels. Remember, Mama is M-U-M-M-A or website www.workingmama.com.au. I would appreciate you to share this podcast with friends and colleagues, especially those that are parents managing the juggle. And I would really appreciate if you had to take the time out to leave a review of the podcast. I'll be giving a shout out to select people that do so. So stay listening and you might be one of them. Thank you and see you next time. Have a great week.